Four Oaks here at the home office on this Tuesday morning. For some reason, it's raining again. But we will survive. The rain is not near the plagues that the Egyptians were experiencing that we've been studying here in our journey through the book of Exodus. Did you like that little transition crossover there? Um, we are looking at of course, these very infamous plagues in the book of, of Exodus where Moses and Aaron are coming before Pharaoh. They're, they're demanding that Pharaoh let the people of God go so they can go worship um, in the wilderness. Um, they can return to the promised land. And um, there is this competing um, kind of duel to the death, right, between Yahweh the God of the Israelites, and then the gods of the Egyptians, which are very powerless, right? And imagine this is sort of an MMA competition where, you know, one of the goals in MMA, which is mixed martial arts, of course, is, is to put your opponent into submission. And as the match goes on, you um, increase the pressure, right, in terms of what you're of way that you're trying to do that, whether it's a chokehold or whether it's uh, an arm bar, all these, all these things are, are, are intended to get the opponent to tap out. Well, that's what God is doing to the Egyptians through Moses and Aaron. He is showing them his immense power. He's putting them in the submission hold and he is, he is calling them to tap out, to admit, to confess that the Lord um, the Lord God is the supreme God, the most powerful God. That's really the point of all of these, um, all of these plagues. And so we are now going to be in Exodus nine. We're going to look at the fifth and sixth plagues specifically. They kind of go together, and we'll talk about them, pray, and see what God has for us this morning. So we're in Exodus nine, beginning in verse one. This is the fifth plague. Then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day the Lord did this thing. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the kiln, and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt, and become boils breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses threw it in the air, and it became boils breaking out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them. 
as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Lord, um, you tell us in Corinthians that these stories happened, they were given so that we could learn from them, so that we could learn more about ourselves, but most importantly, we could learn more about you. So Lord, reveal yourself to us this morning through the study of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that we've noted with these plagues is their increasing intensification, right? So things that started out to be, um, you know, minor or even massive inconveniences like the water turning to blood and they were forced to dig wells for alternative sources of water or gnats and flies, which are, I mean, granted, they are, um, what a massive um, ordeal to live through plagues of those, but they don't appear to be immediately life-threatening or with the frogs. Now, all these can bring health issues and consequences and such, but here for the first time in these two plagues, we see that these um, plagues are impacting both the physical, okay, um, monetarily and bodily health of the Egyptians. In other words, God is striking deeper into their idolatry. He's, he's getting their attention, right? It's, it's, it's what C.S. Lewis says, you know, that God, I can't remember the whole quote. I should have looked this up beforehand. He, he whispers to us in, in our pleasures. You know, he speaks to us but he shouts to us in our pain. And clearly, um, that is the dynamic that's going on, that, that God has raised the temperature, so to speak. And let, let's look at how that's happened. So this fifth livestock, um, the Egyptian livestock dies. Now, um, I want you to notice with this fifth plague, all of the explicit language that is brought out to sort of highlight what's happening here, what was implicit before um, is now very explicit. So, for example, um, where it says, um, verse 2, for if you refuse to let them go and still hold them. So, for the for the first time, what we see is that the it's very explicit now that Pharaoh and the Egyptians are holding back the people of God. They are they, you know, the Israelites are supposed to be somewhere else. They're supposed to be out in the wilderness worshiping. They're supposed to be returning to the promised land. But in fact, Pharaoh is holding them back. They belong somewhere else. It's really meant to denote this idea that they are standing in opposition to the things of God. And this is stated in a very explicit way. You're holding them back. Look at verse 3. Behold, the hand, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon the livestock. Now, again, we know that it's been the, the Lord bringing the plagues um, throughout this course because we have heard God tell Moses this is what he's going to do. And then Moses tells uh, Pharaoh what's going to happen. Well, this is the first time there is an explicit attribution of the plagues to God to Pharaoh. Okay. So, in other words, before Moses was just telling Pharaoh, hey, listen. If you don't let God's people go, this is what's going to happen. But now Moses explicitly ties 
this consequence of the livestock dying, okay, um, to uh, the fact that not only is um, Pharaoh opposed to God actively, but God is now actively opposed to Pharaoh. He is he is bringing um, this judgment upon Pharaoh explicitly. It's an explicit attribution to God, all right? Um, we also see this, okay, when um, you see in verse 5, and it says, And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. Well, in the previous place, remember, um, you know, it was more Pharaoh deciding um, ahead of time what the parameters were for these plagues. So give me till tomorrow, Pharaoh says. Uh, just give me a little more time. Let me go think about this. Well, now God's done messing around with Pharaoh. It's the Lord setting the time. So do you see what's happening here? Um, the spiritual stakes are going up. God is making it explicit to Pharaoh what his spiritual, what his opposition means. It's spiritual at heart. He's holding the people of God back. Um, God thus is actively working against Pharaoh as Pharaoh is working against God. It's God is who's in control. It's the Lord who set a time, and it's as the terms of this conflict are brought out more explicitly spiritually, we see um, an intensification of the physical sides, okay, of these plagues. And so, for one, we have to, to note that if you have massive amounts of livestock dying, this is not as simple as getting uh, frogs in a pile and burning them, right? This is a massive public health crisis. I mean, this is, you just don't immediately dispose of what is ostensibly thousands of, of dead livestock. Um, we also see this in relationship to this, this intensification of the physical sides of these plagues. That remember, in the ancient Near East, animals were prized possessions. Okay, this would be the equivalent of God bringing a plague upon the 21st century and everyone's homes being burned down. Okay, that, that, that's sort of the implication here. I mean, the livelihood of the land, the livelihood of the people were all intimately tied up in animals for food and who did labor and work. And so God is really um, striking at their core dependency and sufficiency in the things that they owned in their pocketbook, so to speak. Well, the same thing is with the boils. Okay, so these boils um, clearly brought a measure a physical distress. In fact, the physical distress this brought upon them um, was such where it says, if you look in verse 11, and the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. And these things are so intense, okay, that they are no longer, the Egyptians, able to physically function not to mention that this is a nationwide humiliation, right? And so again, these boils, these inflict only the Egyptians, not the Israelites. The death of the livestock inflicts the Egyptians, not the Israelites. All of these things are conspiring together. God making it clear that Pharaoh is opposing him, um, impacting their, their treasure, their, their livestock, their possessions, their very physical persons, do you see now why there is such an intensification 
it's the way that God is grants is giving or getting Pharaoh's attention. Now we, we see that Pharaoh is still hardening his heart, but all of this, of course, is building to the tenth and final plague. And it's a reminder to us, okay, when God impacts our health or God impacts or affects our financial status that these are not means to harden our hearts and shake our fists at God. They are evidence of God's grace that he wants to unwed our hearts to the things of the world and wed our hearts instead to him. Now, it doesn't mean that we bemoan our health or that God has provided for us financially. We give thanks to him. All, all good things are received with thanksgiving or to be received with thanksgiving. Um, Paul reminds us, but, but, but it's also a reminder that when our bodies, our possessions fail us, we don't, we don't harden our hearts. We don't shout at God. We, in fact, repent, right? We use it as an opportunity to say, God, what are you teaching me here? God, how are you wanting to unwed my heart to things that probably have become idols, that have probably, I've probably trusted in them and looked to them um, to do more for me than, than I'm really looking to you. And, and that's really, those are, those are great lessons that, that we can take from these plagues that God is always shouting to us in our crisis and pain, not at us in, uh, to judge us. Okay. But as believers to sanctify us, to draw us to himself for us to turn to him. So these are things that we learn from these fifth and sixth plagues. Now tomorrow, interestingly enough, we get to the seventh plague, the plague of the hell. And this is one of the most extensive, uh, at least in terms of amount of attention and words devoted to it, plagues of all of these. Um, and it comes with a fair bit of theological commentary. And we're going to look at that tomorrow um, as well. Um, but thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow um, in Exodus chapter 9 as we look at the seventh plague. Let me pray for us. Lord, go before us today. Lord, when you're getting us, getting our attention by frustrating us or by, by hacking away at our idols, um, by, by removing health from us maybe, or, or monetary success, Lord, it's not because you hate us. It's, Lord, because you love us. You don't want our hearts to be wedded to these things. Lord, wet our hearts to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks for joining us. Have a great day.